Welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the la- in the English language, that is, about Eintracht Frankfurt, the greatest club in Marseille, the greatest club on the southern coast of France, the greatest club in Germany, the Bundesliga, all of Europe, still champions of the Europa League, and all that good stuff, as Brian would say. Uh, I'm Chris here in Detroit. Brian's still out. He's got some things on his plate. We'll hear from him soon, I promise. Uh, we'll we'll try to squeeze him in on social media at some point this week. Um, but here with me tonight to talk all things Frankfurt, all things Champions League, and to hit on the Frauen later too, Matt in New York. Matthew, how you doing? I'm good, man, but be careful the way you say it. Start hitting on the frown because a lot of people could misconstrue that. <laughs> I am taking ladies yeah. just as a heads up. <laughs> I hear you. I hear but, you. My bad. So, but dude, yeah, hyped. Hyped, hyped, hyped. If you happen to listen to the last episode, um, I called it a love roller coaster. Which was a great episode, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, big props to Jason in Wisconsin. He brought us the winning touch, even though his prediction was wrong. And so was mine. Um, But that's kind of why we do it sometimes. That's what you have to do as a superstitious fan of your club is just turn it against them and watch them prove you wrong. Because every time we doubt this team, every time, Matt, going back your lifetime, my 20 years with this club, every time we doubt them, they just come back and prove us wrong. Uh, Let's get right into this one. Frankfurt 1, Marseille nil. The lineup was kind of cool. Um, three, four, <laughs> two, one. So many questions in the last episode. How are we going to line up? Back four, back five, back 11 is one thing I was voting for. Um, but the back three, Indica, Hasebe, Tuta. How'd you feel about that going into it? Dude, a little nostalgic. I'm not going to lie. Like, it literally kind of brought me back to, like, I feel like almost like the DFB people called uh, games when Tuta played his first season with us. You know, I was just like, okay, like. You know, we have Indica, Hasebe, and Tuta back there again. Like, let's do it. And Hasebe would obviously be the anchor, be the warrior in our defense. But, like, dude, Hasebe was a man of the match of the whole game by far. I know, like, Kamada got the whole official Champions League man of the match ball and everything. But, like, without Hasebe, like, we'd be screwed. Like, I don't know if we would able to get this result if we had one of our left backs made out of glass in there. We had four in the back, you know. But, dude... I loved it. It was such a great call by Glasner. I love that Hasebe got his like Champions League taste as well with Frankfurt because I know he's had it with Wolfsburg before. But I mean, I mean, so I mean, it was it, my heart was pounding. I was so excited. I was just so nervous that like he was going to screw up and whatnot. And he did, did the complete opposite. Yeah, when when the rumor leaked that he was in the lineup, my first thought was it has to be a back three because a back four with Hasebe. I feel like there's just it would be too cluttered right there. He's experienced enough to manage the center on his own. He still had Jabril So right in front of him, uh, providing extra support and a, a lot more speed. Um, Hasebe is an ageless wonder who can still run well, but you know, ninety minutes is probably going to be too much to ask out of him. Um, I love that still back three. <laughs> yeah, he did. I thought they ran really well together. That line kept things nice and organized. They didn't have to scramble as much as we've seen the last couple matches where the defense just kind of looked out of order coming back. And I think part of that goes to the midfield, too. Um, With Kanauf back in his comfortable position, instead of being on that back line, he just, you know, that was kind of a question for me. Is he he back to starting 
Uh, will his confidence be there? But he looked really comfortable on that left. Yeah, I mean, he definitely seemed like he was definitely dangerous. I mean, the reason why he played on the left side is because where the hell were we going to put Jokic? Um, but when right. that rumor came out, I literally I literally thought we were going to put Tuta on the left and um, you know Jokic on the right and play with four in the back with Ndika Haseba because I would assume Haseba would need some sort of support system um, if he does step up. And there was a few times where he got caught, you know, high up on the line. I mean, that's why he got the yellow card because he was a little late in like the early or, or like in the 30th minute of the first half. But I mean... No, the whole back line has kind of held it out together. I mean, with Kamada playing in the sixth uh, spot again at Long So, which is what Glasner wanted to do at the beginning of the season, we're finally able to see that again. And, um, I mean, he definitely was very effective in the game and stuff like that. Do I think he was Champions League man of the match worthy? No, like I said, I definitely should have gone to Hasebe. But, I mean, we definitely had a great midfield. I mean, the only person who I would – say have any sort of criticism as Gutsa because I mean I feel like he only played about like 10 minutes of the game he wasn't really too effective and stuff like that um when I saw yeah. but yeah I mean Colomani still did his thing I mean the the whole thing about this game too is we really capitalized on you know Marseille's mistakes I mean the goal itself by Lindstrom like Thank you, Lister, for giving us our first ever champion, Champions League goal, and let alone three points. But, I mean, you know, we capitalized on a very terrible mistake. I mean, and even before the first goal, like, there was a point where Kolo Moane uh, made a great turn on a um, great pass from Gutsa, actually, as I should talk to him about him earlier. And, you know, we didn't. he, he was able to get a shot on the goal. It was an effective shot, which has been a problem with us um, for the past couple games. But, I mean, it's... It, it was it was great. I mean, I, I really think Haseba deserves all the credit for this game. It, even though we capitalized on our Mar- Marseille's chances, which is the best thing you can do in the Champions League. Um, yeah, I know I'm rambling yeah. on here, but I love that Timmy Chandler even it's got a good some ramble. time too. And took a free kick from the parking lot. <laughs> I promise we'll get to that one in a minute. Um, but like you mentioned, Haseba is so strong there. And Daichi Kamado was fantastic in the middle. Um, you know, it sucked that that goal got called off because he was about a foot and a half offside. <laughs> By the Not way, Nathan even. made, a, Nathan made a great comment about that, that, um, that VAR technology, whatever that was, that Tron-looking 28th century technology. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see that when uh, – when they showed the what, VAR, the, like, they had like a, thing? the virtual, it was like a virtual line and then it showed part of his body like pressing through it. You know how when you go to like the kids museum, they have the thing and you put your hand on the nails and you see the outline of it. It was oh, kind of like yeah. Hasebe's face the and his would foot do it. coming through the line. It was so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like they would do it like if it was a player, like shoulder was offline, like they'd have like um. Oh, what's like it's it's like it's like the lane in the highway when you can pass someone like that line when it's like not 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 the full <laughs> yellow line. I, I don't know why I'm struggling here. Sorry, guys. It's, yeah, I, hear I just had food. So I'm like gassy and probably a little bit of food coma. But um, <laughs> but um, no, I mean that. Did you see what Kamada posted on Instagram or Twitter afterwards? Uh, he the, he saw how close he was off sides. It was just like. Oh man, like modern football, like here we go again or something like that. And people were loving it. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's but bullshit. the effort on that and, and being in the right position was excellent. Um, are, are you disappointed at all with Kola Mouani? Or was he just having an ineffective day? 
I don't think I was disappointed at all. Like I said, I think he was able to capitalize on some of the Marseille mistakes. I am. I think the only thing I'm disappointed in is his like ineffectiveness of his shots and stuff like that. Um, I mean, yeah, there was a, like that one time where he. I mean, I don't even think that was him. I think that was Jesper. So I mean. The shots are kind of what I'm struggling to get behind on. But, like, with his pace, with his, like, mentality, with his sort of, like, aggression and just, like, nonstop, like, energy 24-7, like, five-hour energy kind of stuff, um, I'm not too worried about it. Because at the end of the day, he's going to be a workhorse. He's going to run him down. I mean, he has four assists in the Bundesliga. He doesn't necessarily have to shoot. If he's going to be the high, like, the top assist king in the Bundesliga as a number nine striker, screw it. That's awesome. You know, like that's fine with me. I mean, I don't think he was ineffective. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that because I just think he was just all over the place, um, especially in the first half. I'll put it this way. He's been so efficient for us and so high energy creativity focused that maybe just having a good day seemed like a bad day to me. And I don't even think it was a bad day. I wouldn't ever stoop to that level of the performance he put in. It just wasn't what we've come to expect over the first month of the season. And that's all credit to him for being arguably the best player week to week in the Bundesliga so far. Right. And I, and I definitely agree with you in that. Um, the other amazing thing I thought about this game uh, was how um, Jakic didn't get burned by that one left wing back, uh, Tiberius or something like that. Um, yeah. Like, cause I, once I saw that matchup and like, there's a couple times, especially after a corner kick where Marseille looked like they're about to counterattack us, like Jakic was left gone in the dust. And once I saw that happen, I was like, they're going to expose our right side like crazy. And like that way, that way, Tuta would have gotten sucked in. Kamada would have got us sucked in. Haseb is in the no man's land. Like, so I was getting sucked in over there. I, I really thought they were going to completely trash us on that right side, our right side, their left side with, with the Tavares Jakic uh, matchup. And, you know, they're most likely going to do that next game, you know, depending on how healthy we are and what, what happens. But I mean, yeah. And that's where an effective Tuta on that side is, you know, when he's at his best, it's hard to get past him. And he's, you know, he has his lapses. He's still a young player. But when he's on, that side is really tough to get by. Really is. It really is. I mean, it was just a great, it was just a great performance. I mean, I, I'm, I'm amazed, absolutely amazed that Roda even got to get subbed in, especially with his injury, you know? I mean, I wasn't sure whether that's just because, you know, we didn't really have anybody else to sub. I mean, I don't know why we're not playing Farid Ali Do, maybe just because he's too young and stuff like that. But I thought that was pretty cool to see him back on the field. I don't think he's going to play this weekend, but it was good to see. You know, you mentioned it, and I'm going to bring it up again because of one thing. I got so hyped when I saw Timothy Chandler going into the match, while the match was still going on, I went on to the fan shop and I ordered the Champions League jersey with his name on the back. <laughs> I was so fired him up to see him have that opportunity. And, you know, his hometown club, he's he's had opportunities to go elsewhere. He continues re-signing with us. Um, it, it wasn't, a you know, just a tribute substitution. The game was still to be had there. And he played meaningful minutes. And like you said, his contribution was not exactly meaningful. Um, I had a good laugh, To see though. him get that opportunity was awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
And I, I think he did too. You could see him having just a little smirk about it, just like where the hell was that from? Oh yeah, big time because he's like, "This is my first like Champions League game. There's a free kick on the left side of the field. Move the fuck over, so I am fucking hitting this thing." Oh, I, I would have sailed it. There'd be so much juice in my veins. I would have sailed that so high. Oh, I know. I think he just kicked it too hard because you could just see the ball just immediately just dips, and you're just like, "Ah, you got too yep. excited, buddy. You got too excited." Yep. <laughs> So, uh, last last one on this uh, match. We'll look at some stats a little bit. The passing went down a little bit, uh, down to 72% accuracy. But I thought it was still effective enough, um, especially in our defensive end. We've had such an issue the last couple matches with just tic-tac passing leading to turnovers and or ineffective clearances that go out of bounds and turn it over that way. I thought we were better with our patience uh, in our passing in the defensive end in this one. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely some times where I noticed where still not good, but better. Yeah, no, it was definitely a little better. I mean, it, I mean, look, it's Champions League soccer. It's completely different from what we're experiencing in the Bundesliga, and so, or even in the Europa League, the past when we've played in there. Um, it's just so much faster, and there were a lot of times where Mar- Marseille was literally pressing up to us, like in our like in our half, essentially, and, you know, Antika, Hasebis, so Kamada are all tiki-talking around them, you know, having Gutsa being involved, even having Runstrom run across and being involved in, like, the one-touch passing and stuff like that. Like, there were definitely a few times that, I mean, we were definitely getting a lot better with it, and I think after playing and sporting, it gave us that indicator because we were just a tick too slow against sporting, um, where, you know, we were able to get up to speed against Marseille. Granted, you know, hence the three points. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think we're definitely getting better there. I just hope we can translate that into the Bundesliga season, Bundesliga game on Saturday against Stuttgart. Um, but no, the, the, definitely like the, 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 the turn, the lack of the, the, the amount of turnovers happening with our, you know, bullshit, but effective tiki taka thing has definitely lowered in this game, um, where I would expect it to skyrocket because, you know, it's Champions League soccer. And even though we do have that previous history with Marseille, where they haven't really beaten us, um, still nerve wracking because, like I said, Champions League soccer is completely different. Agreed. Uh, one other stat that I think is just absolutely imperative to where we are. Didn't affect the outcome of the game directly, but it's a major improvement. 14 shots at the goal, 11 on target, um, officially seven, you know, six saves and a goal, but a couple others blocked close that would have been on target. So 11 out of 14 on frame is tremendous given that a week ago uh, we were three of 12 on frame. Yeah. Uh, You know, it it doesn't translate here because we didn't have five goals or four goals or anything close to it. But what it means is we're being more effective with our shooting. When you're just sailing the ball over, we only took four shots from outside the box, and two of those were, you know, questionable. Were they uh, shots on target or were they they crosses? Um, we were taking opportunities that made sense instead of just hoping like hell that something you know special happened. Yeah, so no, for I, me that's another part of it. We're mentally engaged in the offensive end. I agree with you because you definitely lack that, I guess, efficiency and effectiveness with their shots in the in the two previous games with Sporting and Wolfsburg, you know. Um, and it looks like, you know, with this game, we were able to, you know, kind of crack that little uh, juju on us. So, you know, 
hopefully we can kind of continue the, the consi- or make this like a consistent thing where we continue shots off, um, you know, continue effective shots and at least have them on target and stuff like that. I mean, yes, we're Lindstrom hit the post for God's sakes, you know, and then Kamada late, even after getting robbed of that two nothing, uh, two nothing goal, you know, you had that one time opportunity where, you know, Kolomani was able to run in the box and lay it off for him, but it was just made, um, a great save by, I think his name was like Lopez or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was just a great – it was honestly a really great offensive b- performance. I mean, we – like I said before, we, we capitalized on their mistakes and everything like that. Um, you know, Eric Bailly is obviously a world-class center back, and we were, eight, like, as su- as strong as he looked at times, you know. Um, we were able to exploit on some of their mistakes and, you know, some of their holes. So, um I mean, Kevin Trapp, on the other hand, was also, you know, saving our asses here and there a couple times, you know. There was that one time where he was able to make that foot save and everything like that. But, I mean, three points, man. First time in the Champions League. Who would have thought we'd be in this in this competition, let alone win a damn game? And, I mean, yeah, the, the odds so – the, I don't know if you saw the line, but the odds makers put us at, like, plus 320. And I was just sitting there like, hmm. I That's saw that. Funny. I wanted, I wanted it. I wanted it so bad. Especially when you look at, at Marseille, they kept their losing ways up in the Champions League. They've now lost sixteen of their last seventeen Champions League matches. That goes back <laughs> to twenty twelve. Uh, not even, not even ties. We're talking losses, which is crazy because they're killing in the their last seventeen in, in the league uh, right now. Like they're, I'm pretty sure yes. they're like first or something like that. They're tied for first right now. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, It's unbelievable how bad they've been in Champions League. Their only win was one in 2020. Um, But back to the table. You know, we took advantage of a team that struggled in the competition. We're new to the competition. Um, Sporting had the upset in Group B. I don't know what to think there. I mean, they're, they're on fire right now. It fucks us a little bit, I feel like, because, you know, obviously Tottenham is the favorite to go through this league. And now it's gotten a little bit difficult because, you know, there's because I was kind of banking on us getting through where like, you know, Tottenham could lay off the gas pedal when we play them. But now that I think about it, I think we play them back to back when we play them, you know, ne- not next week, the week after and then following again because the we- it's like a weird right. Champions League round robin or whatever. Um so I, I don't know. I have a weird feeling that kind of fucks us just because, you know, Sporting is not to get through unless, unless Tottenham does Tottenham type things, you know, where they just lose to <laughs> us twice, you know, which I can totally see happening because they are a dumpster fire right now. I mean, Sun can't even score a goal uh, or even hit the net for that matter right now for them. Um I don't know. I, I I was happy about it at first, but then the more I think about it and the more tweets I was reading about it, um, I think I flipped. I think it kind of fucks us. I, I'd rather have Tottenham kind of win that game, you know, and then us having another go at sporting when we go over to Lisbon. Yeah. You know, I was calling for the draw there because looking at the table, I think it would have been more oh, advantageous for us. But, but if once we go to sporting, once we go to Lisbon, if we can take three points, I know it's a huge ask because they're playing well in this tournament, but if we can take three points on the road there, it's wide open. You know, we take care of business home and away against Tottenham. It's ours to be had. So, you know, we're not even, we're, we're a third of the way into this competition, into this table, and we're sitting tied on points for second. We're behind on goal differential alone. 
which with two games against Tottenham coming up, we have an opportunity to reverse that goal differential and separate ourselves on points. So definitely plenty of opportunity there. I'm, I, I'm a table watcher. I mean, I watch a Bundesliga table from week one because, you know, I hate myself and I do that. But honestly, I think there's plenty of matches. The back-to-back against Tottenham, for me, is where everything pivots. Because you lose the first one, then the second one is must-win. Yeah. You win the first one, and then if you can pull points in the second one, you still feel good about it. Um, no, I agree. I yeah. think, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to play Tottenham. You know, that's it. I think that's going to really... Like you said, it's going to be a pivotal point in our um, Champions League endeavors and stuff like that. Um, Absolutely. Now that we talked about the 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 good the good and stuff like that, should we look talk about the the bad and the ugly? Uh, let's let's hit first on the rest of the Bundesliga teams in Champions League. We'll put the ugly off for about thirty more seconds. <laughs> that Tuesday was fantastic for the Bundesliga. Uh, even the evil empire down in Bavaria, you know, we don't really like them, but it's good to see Germany do good things. It's good for the league to see our teams win. And Bayern, uh, Bayern Leverkusen and Eintracht Frankfurt all winning on the first day of the Champions League week was outstanding. I turned on XM radio. They were talking about how formidable these three Bundesliga teams are, how they show up in this tournament, which... You know, you say what you want about Bayern's history uh, until they won it a couple of years ago. But um, Leverkusen played excellent. Bayern won, and we had our first win. That's outstanding for the league. Uh, day two, not so much. Dortmund fell. Uh, almost Leipzig had it. it almost still had a dumpster it. fire. <laughs> yeah, but they almost had it. They, almost, they then you know Holland kind of bit them in the bit them in the ass again. Respect for him for not celebrating. But, yeah, that was, yeah, I don't know if you saw the goal, but that was... Yeah, I did. And uh, I'll tell you <sighs> what, um, there's no team in the world with more talent that actually shows up, unlike PSG. Uh, there's more talent at Man City than anywhere else in the world. And I thought Dortmund played really well in that one and gave themselves an opportunity. So I, agree. I think the Bundesliga is looking okay in this competition. Um, still a lot to happen. But it was good to get a little good publicity for the league on day one. And that leads me to the bad and the ugly. Um, It would be irresponsible for us to not discuss what happened with the fans in the stands and in the concourse area of the stadium. Um, For all the gains that this club has made over the last few years, all the positive press received for deep runs in Europa League and the traveling support going to London and going to uh, Barcelona and all points in between. And not just last year's Champions League run, in the prior few years with the runs we've made. Everything I heard about Eintracht Frankfurt for the last few years has been positive. And that all seemed to go to shit in about a two-hour window on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on yeah, the way I mean, the fans conducted themselves? It's definitely embarrassing uh, on our side of things to, you know, 
see people who, you know, do the Nazi salute and are, you know, going crazy against like, you know, a French, uh, the Marseille fans and stuff like that, even the night before. Um, but like, yeah, the whole Nazi salute and everything like that. I mean, that, there's no place in that. And it's just embarrassing to see someone wearing, you know, a logo that we all essentially worship, um, being, uh, be, being worn on someone that has absolutely no place in this club whatsoever. Um, the good news is that, you know, so on social media and how beautiful and how ugly it can be, um, the beauty out of it is that, you know, Frankfurt has been made aware of who the two people are and stuff like that, and they're currently investigating the situation. So um, at least good news are coming out of that, you know, side of things with, you know, Frankfurt be you know, us Frankfurt, some Frankfurt fans being complete dickheads and assholes and absolutely, um, you know, people who should not be wearing, you know, the logo that we all cherish and love. Um, on the flip side of things inside the stadium, I mean, who the hell are Marseille fans to think blasting off fireworks at us is a great thing because, you know, reports are that the, that a person was hit actually by the firework and that person was, you know, in the hospital. Another person broke a bunch of bones because they're trying to scatter away from the, the, the fireworks being blasted at them. Um, and the more sickening part is, was, you know, all the Marseille fans chanting like, hey, hey, every time a firework went off. I mean... It's, it's disgusting. I mean, that's, I mean, that's also, you know, European soccer and, you know, the fans are how passionate they are and stuff like that. But there's a fine line between hooliganism and being passionate about a fan. And that's just straight up hooliganism um, from the Marseille fans. I mean, the biggest losers of this whole match was the fans on both sides, for sure. Um, yeah. But I, it's, it's yeah. going to be interesting when they come into Frankfurt because – who knows what, you know, some of those hometown people are going to do, you know, I mean, to retaliate regarding that. I, I mean, we will never see the retaliation inside or around the, uh, the grounds of the Frankfurt stadium, but social media can be both good and bad. We'll never, we'll see what happens outside of the bars, especially by the, uh, by the Roma Platz where, you know, typically all these away fans seem to gather. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start my piece with, the the Nazi situation. Um, I'll be honest right now. If if you didn't see anything wrong with that, if you don't understand the context of why that's fucked up, or you think it was funny, uh, just press stop right now. I don't want you to listen. I don't care about your feelings or opinions. Unsubscribe. Never listen again. Um, and hit us up on social media because I'd love to tear you apart. Um, that's all I have to say on that. It, it, it's entirely inappropriate. It should never be there. Um, and I give the club credit for saying they're looking into it. And the person apparently identified themselves. That's a good thing. Um, but the club is, is it clearly stands against everything the club stands for. Um, I know they're trying to be respectful of the fan and give them a, a you know, opportunity to explain themselves or whatever. There is no explanation. Uh, for me, they should be permanently banned. My personal opinion, they should be permanently banned yep. from Frankfurt matches going forward. Yep. Um, and anywhere else in Germany. Uh, you know, the, those kinds of things in Germany are against the law. Not just, you know, look down upon. Those kinds of things are against the law for good reason. Like, um, where are these kids when they were, when the Hano attacks happened and the whole, like, 
the whole Frankfurt yeah. movement and like them being very like open about everything and just being more like available. Like we had their their names on the back of our shirts for fuck's sake, and then you do that, yep. like, yep, unreal. Um, re- regarding the situation in the stands with the pyrotechnics, um, yeah, we've we've got a little criticism in the past for not understanding how it goes in Europe. Matt, you were born there. You spent time there. I lived there for a few years. We, we've all experienced the European game. We all follow it closer than any other league out there. You can get over that whole, you're Americans, you don't get it. Um, but my loyalty, my loyalty to the club and my loyalty to our ultras and our other fans is not unconditional. If you fuck up and make Frankfurt look bad... I feel guilty by association and I don't want to associate with that kind of hooliganism that we've come to see a few times in recent memory. Um, it, it looked more to be on the Marseille side this time. And I, I totally get that. We had fans that were severely injured. As far as I'm aware, there's at least one still hospitalized. There were several police officers injured, 15 or more injured. Um, in that whole situation. So it looks like it was from the Marseille side, but I will say this. Uh, I remember just last year when West Ham came to Frankfurt and there were videos of Frankfurt ultras going around, destroying our own town, cafes, shop windows, having chairs thrown through them, bottles thrown through them by our own people. And that is not the kind of shit that, that we can tolerate or accept. The club needs to step in uh, because if they don't, you know who's going to. It's going to be UEFA. Yeah. Get in there and and ban some people. I know they don't want to step on toes. They don't want any protests from the inside. But guess what? If well, there's investigations going on currently. We'll, we'll probably end there up. There has pl- to be. We'll end up there playing. has to be. I, I, if I have, uh, can I put a prediction on here? I can totally see us yeah. playing our next home game, possibly against Tottenham, you know, in an empty stadium. And that will really fuck us and that's the problem because if we continue this well they fucked with us so we're gonna fuck with them kind of thing you can kiss that home field advantage away it's right. gone the minute that we don't have fifty thousand raucous fans and choreos that have fifty thousand on their feet and a hundred thousand at home standing and cheering like that's that's the power of frankfurt in a good way and when we see it in a negative way um it does everything to hurt the momentum that we built the last few years. Oh yeah, for sure. And like the stupid part about all these fucking like not ultras, but ultra ultras are is like they don't understand there's always repercussions to their actions and stuff like that. It doesn't necessarily always have to be towards them, but it's going to be towards the club. It's going to be toward, towards all the other 50,000 fans that want to go see our fucking team play, you know? And it's just like the guys these guys just want to show their their, you know, their might and stuff like that because most likely these guys all have small dicks, you know, and they're just mad about the, it. The thing is, if if you're in the stands making all the fucking noise you can and and even lighting some flares in the stands because the smoke is an advantage in your own stadium, sure, I love you. Continue doing that. But the minute that you do something that is going to hurt the club, that's going to hurt the image of the club, that's going to hurt the rest of the city, that, that has that exact same eagle on the crest of the city, um, you're hurting us. You're no longer an ultra for the club. You're a hooligan that hurts the club. And that's where the line is drawn for me. Yeah, because you're not a fan if you're hurting us. What are you doing? So I, 
again, I respect the fact that, you know, the pyrotechnics were shot at our fan block. That is unacceptable, but I'm not here for Marseille. I'm here for Eintracht Frankfurt and I can't, I can't overlook the fact that I know there's going to be a retaliation and I know we're standing in line for some fines and some potential ghost matches. And it hurts that that's going to happen at the most important time in this competition. Yep. It's a shame. All right. We got to move on. Uh, you know, it sucks, but that's responsible of podcasting. We have to touch on it. So let's cheer ourselves up a little bit, Matt. Let's have a little toast here. What are you drinking tonight? Yes, sir. Well, to all the listeners, I'm not drinking a shitty Coors Light or anything like that. I have gone a little bit up scale. Um, I've moved over to a Samuel Adams seasonal. I am drinking the Oktoberfest, hearty and smooth. I actually bought this for the game because I just figured why not have something German related related to the game. So I said, why not Oktoberfest, even though it's September? But cheers. Oktoberfest is generally in September, though. So you're right on cue. About a week early. Yeah, right a week early. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. But hey, you, you got to test it. You got to test it, right? Make sure it's good enough for a proper fest season. <laughs> right. These are the first pours. I got to, you know, get my taste buds warmed up to the point when we get to the middle, like the, the middle part of the barrel. That's right. Um, speaking of having beers with groups of people, Matt and I are going to get together. I'm headed to New York in mm. early October. So the Balcom match on October 8th, not sure where, but we're going to be getting together for some beers. We'll put that information out when we establish a place. Um, but you know where we'll be at 930 on October 8th. We'll be having beers together. I can't wait for that. Oh, man. Nothing better than a breakfast beer, especially with other oh, Frankfurt fans. Yes. So uh, myself... I am keeping going with what worked through this last match. Founders, solid gold in honor of Makoto Hasebe, who was solid gold in the match Tuesday. Uh, the shit's solid. It's a great lager. Founders always does awesome beer. And it's local, too. So that's a good thing. Cheers. So, yeah, wherever you're uh, watching, on track, listening to Half Pod, we toast to you. Prost. Oh, yeah. We'll be right back for segment two. Welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, segment two, Matt in New York, Chris in Detroit. It's time for a little pivot here away from the men's team. Uh, It seems like forever ago. (laughs) It was really just a a few weeks ago. The Eintracht Frankfurt Frauen, the women's team, started their season off. Um, We are going to go a little more in depth with this one because we didn't give it as proper context before the Champions League started. So I'm going to do a little lecture here, a little history, a little current affairs. I'm going to give you your whole civics lesson on the Frauen. So here we go, Matt. Having a little extra drink here. Oh, I'm ready. All right. All right. So history lesson. Um, we all know about the, the 
history of the Frauen team came under uh, the FFCA Frankfurt name and badge. Um, the merger happened in the twenty before the twenty twenty one season. Um, for those that don't know the history, FFC Frankfurt is one of the greatest names in the history of the women's game in Europe. Um, they have a record seven Frauen Bundesliga titles dating back to when the competition was reorganized in 1990. They have six runners-up comp- in the competition. So that's a total of 13 top two finishes in 32 years. Um it's by far the best record uh, in the Frauen Bundesliga, and nine uh, competition wins in the DFB Pokal between '98 and 2014. So that that's also the record for domestic wins in that uh, tournament. So domestically, they're fantastic. Internationally, uh, the history is almost equally impressive. Four UEFA Champions League titles. That's the most uh, recent, coming in 2015. But those four wins are second in Europe, only behind Lyon, who's the powerhouse in France. Uh, they've got eight. But German teams have won nine Champions League titles. Frankfurt has four of them. Those are pretty good numbers. Yeah. Um, good history there. So with that history in mind, uh, when the merger took place, the truth is there was kind of a rebuild going on. Um it hadn't been to Champions League since 2016, I believe. Um, they finished fifth in the table in 15-16. And then there was kind of a rebuild of sorts. Um, once the merger happened in 2021, and they took on the Eintracht Frankfurt badge, Laura Freigang, a friend of the show, listened to episode 151, where Brian does a great interview with her. Uh, people in the States will enjoy the fact she played at Penn State University. So Laura Freigang had a fast start to that first season, led the league in scoring for a while, but the team just didn't have the experience or firepower to keep up. Um, last year, 21-22 season was a huge step of growth. Uh, they didn't score a ton of goals necessarily, but they grew the depth and things balanced out quite a bit. Uh, Meryl Fromes led the way, one of the best female goalkeepers in the world. Um, she's moved on this year to Wolfsburg, so a little change there. But coming into this year, uh, we've got I, – I tried to count it. I think we have 16 players returning, and 14 of them are signed over the next two complete seasons. Love it. So there's going to be so much stability. Unlike the men's game where, you know, because it's Tuesday, somebody's changing teams or you're announcing a contract sign for next year when there's still 20 games to play this year. Fuck that. The or you're saying that you're staying next year, but you're actually leaving two weeks later. Yeah, exactly. It's There's no point of having contracts in the men's game anymore. That's probably worth an episode of its own. Um, but this women's team is built for long-term success right now. And we saw glimpses of it last year. Uh, the way the season ended, having to battle things out over the final month, beating out Turbine Potsdam for that final Champions League spot, uh, for those that don't remember, we had to win at home or hope for a Potsdam loss on the road at Bayern. And both things actually worked in our favor. It wasn't as close as it as it probably could have been. We beat Bremen 4-0 at home in a sold-out stadium. Um, and Potsdam got destroyed 5-0 to Bayern Munich on the road. Um, but it gave us that first feeling of new era success 
Uh, you qualified for the Champions League. And those women partied like it. And they deserve that because it's been a tough rebuild. For players that have been here for several years, we'll get into that in a few minutes, it's tough. Once you go from like Champions League caliber and then you fall to mid-table with fifth and sixth place finishes, it feels real hard trying to climb that ladder back up. Uh, but some of them have done it, and some of them have been here for a while doing it. So where are we starting the season here? Uh, 22-23, massive expectations from me. Uh, we're now an experienced team. I talked about all the players returning. Uh, we already got knocked out of Champions League. I bragged about making it. Now I'll give the caveat. Uh, because they finished third in the league, they had to go play a playoff tournament uh, in northern Denmark, God's country, beautiful area. Uh, Haring, Denmark is an amazing city uh, in the north of the mainland. But, um, yeah, the first match, uh, it was a four-team tournament with Herring and um, Eintracht and Ajax was there. Uh, we came out against the hosts, and it was a 2-0 win. And I, I got on our podcast and bragged it was going to be 6 nothing. Um, probably didn't give the hosts enough credit, uh, even though we traveled more fans. Props to the people that went north because there were probably 50 to 75 Frankfurt fans there. I didn't see more than 30 in the rest of the stadium. And major props to you because you were loud on the stream. Um, but in that first 2-0 victory, uh, Laura Prashnikar got the opener. She's been fire for us the last couple of seasons, um, creating opportunities, finishing opportunities. And then the second goal was an own goal, kind of off a – it was a feeding ball into the into the box. Uh, the defender tried to clear it. She cleared it past the goalie and into the net. So it was advantageous for us. But in a playoff situation, it doesn't matter how you win, especially your first competitive match of the year. You just want to finish. So they did. So two days later, <clears throat> excuse me, two days later, line up against Ajax. And generally, I mean, Ajax scored an early goal. Um, Carl Basel, a goalie, uh, put out a real poor goal kick and the turnover led to a goal. Whatever, seven minutes in, you're down one, lots of time. This game was proof positive that the best team does not always win. Uh, Frankfurt dominated the rest of the match. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think we hit three or four posts along the way. Oh. Uh, Laura Fragging, she was just heartbroken at the end. She put so much into that one. Um, we got a the equalizer. Um, Nicole Aniami picked up a ball literally right off the keeper's foot. Prashnikar was there to put it away. A very odd angle, but she curled it into the empty goal with a keeper out of place. And everything just kind of went smooth the rest of the match, but we could not finish it off. And literally one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen, a random axe corner with literally 10 seconds left in extra time on a beautiful bicycle kick finish, but it found like the bottom three inches of the corner. I'm telling you, if that ball is three inches further to the right, it misses and we probably take the game in, in um, extra time. But that added time at the end just uh, 10 seconds left there was not even more than a restart um before the final whistle blew but it sucks to lose out on champions league before you've played any other competitive matches it feels like your biggest competition of the season is 
over at that point and you barely started. Um, yeah. I mean, it's tough, especially if you were dominating the whole game and the only way that the only way, I mean, you weren't rewarded on anything. And just to put the cherry on top of how shitty that feeling is, you know, it's a bicycle kick in the 90th minute, which is every person's soccer dream just to score a bicycle kick, let alone a lot like a game winning goal. But not when it's against and you. It's one of those situations again, where, you know, we, it, it's kind of old news at this point, so I'm not going to bring it up in its entirety. Um, but clearing the ball off the line is so critical at that point. And uh, Bozel tried to get a good punch on it, didn't do it. The ball bounced out and just an incredibly placed bicycle kick. So props to Ajax. Um, hope you lose. <laughs> really Seriously. don't like it. But, but it, it's not all doom and gloom. You know, I'm going to look at it from the sense that you're out of Champions League, but you've got the Bundesliga to look forward to in its entirety. Uh, we just beat a team whose name I can't pronounce, like 7-0, in the second round of the DFB Pokal. So that competition is still alive for us. Um, the main goals are still out there. And for me, uh, the first goal is qualify for Champions League in the first or second spot. And the second goal is win the So winning Bundesliga. Yes, win the league. They have the talent to do it. They have the depth to do it. I'm gonna get into that in a minute. But this is the this is the point where we've slowly progressed. We made it to third. We've seen in head to head play against Wolfsburg and Bayern that we're as good as them. We split matches both ways with both of them, a couple of them in heartbreaking fashion last year. But the talent is there to compete with them. And I think this is the year where we take that next step. Um, that would be a kicker if Merle Frums leaves us and that we win the league next year or like this year. <laughs> it, it, it's possible. Uh, Dietrich and, and Nico Arnautis, uh, by the way, he's a Frankfurt native. Um, I just found out today his brother is his assistant coach, just like the last Nico we had on the sideline at Frankfurt. How crazy. funny yeah. is that? <laughs> um, yeah. But Nico is a Frankfurt guy. He's a Frankfurt native. He played for Rockweiss Frankfurt for years. Um, he's coached within the Frankfurt system and with other clubs in the area. Like I said before, we've re-signed every major piece minus Froms. Um, I think Bozel's up for the challenge. She's 25. She's been with Frankfurt her entire career, but only in a handful of, of match time under her belt. But really right now, the attack up front, which is mostly fragging, um, as the target person, but Prashnikar over there cannot be overlooked. She's been our best player for probably the last 12 months. Uh, throw in Shakira Martinez, my favorite player, who grew tremendously last year, figured out how to use her size and strength. She's pushing through defenders on the right side. I think Nicole Anyomi um, is going to have a breakout year as well. Absolutely. Especially uh, with their her experience her in the European Championship. Yeah. Yep, her speed and the opportunity to uh, be more of a full-time player there is going to be really helpful. Uh, the midfield is where we have the most depth and the most talent, I think. Barbara Dunn, Laura Firesanger, uh, Sake Nuskin, who was awesome last year. There's a lot of time on the books together now, which they didn't have before last season. So... All things are looking up for me. Uh, I'm not going to be shy about calling for wins in all 22 league matches. 
this is a team that's going to compete with Bayern and Wolfsburg. They're not the same Bayern as the men's side, but since we started our slide around 2016, Bayern has been steadily investing in this women's team, and now they're competitors every single year. Wolfsburg has been the creme de la creme for the Frauen Bundesliga. They've won seven of the last ten league titles. Bayern won the other three. I think it's time to end that run. I'm going to predict it right here, right now, episode 230, whatever we're on. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt Frauen will win the Bundesliga this year. That is bold, man. Do you guys <laughs> do you hear that thumping? I think you just that, I think I think you just placed your nuts on the table there. It's yes, absolutely. It's the most <laughs> bold prediction I've ever made on this podcast. I have never predicted silverware at the beginning of a season for either of our squads, and I'm doing it right here. And I would love to do it with a, with a match in hand at the end of the season. Um, no pressure, ladies. <laughs> yeah. One more note for the women uh, before we we move back to the men's side. Uh, the match this Friday, opening the season, is at the Deutsche Bank Park. It's at the Waldstadion, uh, Friday the 16th. That is unacceptable for me. If you wear the crest on your chest, you need to be in the stadium. You need to show the women the love. Because if you keep showing up, if you fill the place on Friday, then there's going to be more demand for the other matches. And they say, wow, we're selling out every match at whatever the other stadium's called. Let's bring the women back to the nest. They need to be there. This is the home of Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, the more people show up, the more opportunity we have to see them in the big stadium. I would love to see it become a part of um, the regular game day atmosphere. You know, maybe three or four matches this year. Maybe it's half the matches next season, and who knows after that. Um, but one Dude, more note on this one. Yeah, this I week's like- match... No, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, just to add, because I said this last season when we were struggling in the Bundesliga, I was going to say, let's have the women play in the Waldstadion. Like, I bet you we'll have more fans in there because we're having this Champions League run. But that's all I wanted to say. No, I love it. Um, If you're in the States, this match will be streaming nationwide on NBCSports.com. We beg for it. We want more streams. If we want to see more of them, show up. Throw it on. If you can't watch live, Throw it up on your computer. Throw it up on your phone. Just let it stream so they see those numbers flowing in. Um, It's against Bayern. It's going to be at, I lost my notes. I think it's 1.15 Eastern time here in the States. So it was at 7.15, 19.15 Central European time. Set your clocks. Watch wherever you can. And we'll give you the update next week on how they did. Hell yeah. So Matt. We talked about Marseille. We talked about the Frauen. What do we have coming up Saturday? Stuttgart, baby. Give me all that goddamn Schwarzwald. <laughs> Tell me everything you know about Stuttgart. All right. VfB Stuttgart. These guys are terrible right now, everybody. But... The, the problem about this game is I'm a lot more worried about us because clearly we can't do anything against Wolfsburg. We do something great against Marseille. Now we are fighting ourselves here at home again against Stuttgart. And so 
It's going to be a brutal, brutal game for us Frankfurt fans. I mean, first of all, they have, they're coming off a great result. They just had a 2-2 draw against Bayern, which is pretty incredible. I mean, they were down to, um, they were, they were down one nothing and then they came back quick or came back within the second half. And then after like three minutes of their, uh, game-tying goal, Musiala ended up scoring. But then in the, like, the 92nd minute, you know, Gurasi, I think is his name, or, or something something Jurassic Parkish, um, ended up sealing it for them, um, or not sealing it, but drawing it for them, the 2-2 side of things in the 92nd minute. Um, Shout-out to Miller, or not shout-out to Miller, condolences to Miller for his house being robbed at that time. I hope, it, you know, every, everybody's okay that was there. Hopefully nobody was there, um, but definitely thinking about you, my man. But, um, Listen, Stuttgart is coming is probably riding high right now with that tie against Bayern, you know. I mean, they've come off back-to-back ties with Werder Bremen who was also on a hot streak, you know, at that time. Well, unless we kind of demolish that for them after winning 4-3, but I'm more worried about us, Chris. I really, really am because you know, I based on you know how we came out after Lisbon with the Frank uh, with Wolfsburg, you know, I don't expect too many changes. It's really going to depend if you know Lentz or Pellegrini, the two human beings made out of glass, are you know available to play for us. Otherwise, we're going to have to end up seeing you know Haseba with a freaking um, walking cane up out there on Sunday, unless we see Smolcic out there with his. Um, starting debut potentially and or a second game but i mean it, I'm, I'm i'm more worried about us chris i really am yeah um that's fair and i'm gonna agree with you uh stuttgart is not good they kind of have that run of form that we had last year when i think we we drew five games in a row they've had a ton of draws so far they drew a shell cup Four and five. Ten. i mean two out of their last three matches they've been down to 10 guys they really need to Cut that nonsense out, however that happened. But um, anytime you tie Bayern, that's a good thing. They tied uh, Leipzig on match day one. Um, I will say this, for as bad as they are, only scoring six goals in league play so far, they've only allowed seven in six league matches. So for sitting 14th in the table, having a minus one goal differential and only allowing seven goals, is not bad at all. So that, that so concerns are not me. bad either then if they have eight goals scored on or are they bad? What's that? They're bad. Is Hatta not that good then because they only had eight goals scored or is good that good because they had eight goals scored on them based on that logic? Again, that, but that that's another team that just can't score goals. You, know, <laughs> you don't score goals, you don't win. But one, my point is that you know we've got teams well farther up the table that are allowing – 10, 11, 12 goals us. We've allowed 12 goals in league play. Uh, thankfully, we've scored 11, which you know helps us out a little bit. But our inability to score goals coming off of big wins is a little bit concerning for me. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I, I mean, we scored four goals in back-to-back league matches. We were flying high. And then we ran into sporting, and it was kind of downhill from there. And so, got shut out back-to-back games. <laughs> yeah. Now... I will say because of the rest period that's coming up in the schedule, there is no, you know, protect the legs. Um, we can run guys out there and run them ragged and run them a little further because our next match is until October 1st. Um, so, you know, we got some guys going off to international duty, but for now, run them ragged. Uh, I don't think Stuttgart's a team that's going to give us a lot, uh, a fight, but the fight, like you said, it's in our head. 
and it's up to us to not lose this opportunity like we did with a couple earlier matches that we just went into thinking we were going to take easy points. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the two losses we've had so far are teams who are in 15th and 16th place of the season, you know? Like, these are two losses we should not be giving, and those are both teams' current only loss in the season with, you know, Hatta and Wolfsburg. Um, we're the Moody Diva, man. I mean, I really was hoping the way we, our transfer window was and the way we looked against Magdeburg and even against Real Madrid, you know, I really didn't think we have to worry about ourselves anymore. We can actually worry about other teams, but... Deja vu, man. Deja vu. We're, we're si- I'm going to be sitting here talking about, you know, I'm worried about us. I'm worried how we come out. Like, are we going to, you know, have a mirror? Like, every, t- every time we play someone in the Bundesliga, or, I mean, I guess at this point anybody, it's like we put a giant mirror on the other side of the field and just play ourselves every single time. Or the other team does it sideways. They turn us into their mirror and we just play like them every single time. And it's just frustrating because it seems like we're going that way again. Yeah. You know, I'm not a football expert i'm a you know podcast host so i'm slightly stupid but i have a platform (laughs) so i'll I'll just say i i don't question oliver glasner the guy knows his team he knows what he's doing he generally makes great decisions um but we got to find a formation and just build from that formation i know back three back four uh Messing with things up front a little bit formationally. You can mess with players, but don't mess with the formation. We have to to just stick with it. I know some guys have things they're better at than others, and you don't. But, I mean, at this point in the year, we got to figure out what our squad rotation is. where What gives us the best chance to win consistently? Not, you know, reinventing the wheel every match day. Or am I crazy? Um, no, I agree with you. I definitely think we need to have a solidified lineup, especially starting in the back. Are we going to start? Are we playing with four in the back or three in the back? Um, I'd rather play three in the back because I'll explain that in a minute here, but I'm just, I'm interested in asking you, what would you rather play? I like the three at the back. Um, I understand why we've gone with four in the past, but I think if, if we can, and, and a lot of it too, for me comes down to, how much can Smolchich grow into this lineup? Right. Um, because he's kind of a piece that if you're going to go back for, he's the kind of guy you would want in there, um, but he's got a slot well there. And if he's going into a back four, who's coming up? Who's coming off the pitch? That's the bigger question for me. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on, on that aspect with Smolchich and stuff like that. Like, I definitely want to start playing a, bit, uh, a back three because – if you remember in the January transfer window, we were making all these free signings with Colomane. I mean, Smoltich was essentially signed and whatnot. And then even with uh, Onguene, you know, you really thought that we were going to stick with the three in the back because, you know, at least we were kind of signing these big other center backs and stuff like that. And then, you know, now we added Pellegrini to the mix because Kostic left. And I would much rather see three in the back. Like, I want to obviously have Tuta and Dika back there, but then... Let's have these new signings kind of play. Let's see what Smolchich can do. Let's see what Ongwene can do, you know. Uh, I definitely want to try him out. And then that way we can utilize our wing a little bit more with both Lentz and Pellegrini. And that will create just a lot more depth, be- depth because if they, if you know, they break because God knows they're going to break, you know, at least we'll have some depth with, you know, putting Knauf out there or Lindstrom, or Gutsu, or even Colomane, put him out wide and put Bore up top. You know, at least we'll have some, I mean, we have the depth right there. I just feel like we're not utilizing it right, right now because, you know, 
I think the plan for I think the, the the preseason plan for Glasner was is if Kostic stage we played with three in the back, but if he left, we're playing with four in the back because there is no player, and I mean no player in this soccer loving world that will ever track back as fast as Kostic does and as how often he does it for a player that plays ninety minutes every single game. No other player will, and, will ever do that. And for me, that's why the late transfers just are killers for clubs like us, where we can't just flip a switch and sign a $30 million replacement. Um, losing Kostic in the last couple days before the deadline really puts us in a tight spot, and we're not going to be able to fill it. That affects your formation down the line. It affects the results through the first half of the season before the next window. I definitely agree, but like it's just, it's just a little confusing to me why we haven't explored that yet on the defensive end. I mean, like, God damn, like this is, we got we got shut out we got shut out to Wolfsburg. Then we have a clean sheet against Marseille. Um, we had a clean sheet against someone else that I'm just kind of blanking on the name for right now. Um, and RB Leipzig, Leipzig. Thank you. Um, and like we're still getting scored on a shit ton. Like we let six go by us against Bayern. We let three go by us against Lisbon. Like with the defense that we still have the same defensive woes that we've had for the past like three, four years, even with Abraham and Haseba kind of being the anchors back there. Um, so, I mean, why why not start changing a little bit? Like, the offensive part of our game is molded. I mean, there's a couple rough edges you have to clean up, a couple things you have to smooth out and stuff like that, but we're essentially molded on the front end. Essentially, bang it to Muani and stay behind him for his layoffs. All, that, all that's said there. On the back end of things, we're still doing the same shit we've been doing for the past three years. So, I just I I hope we can put more small chitch and when Ungüenes end up end up being healthy, you know, put him in there as well. Um, so we'll see. With all that said, what do you what do you see happening this weekend? So with all that negativity that I have said, um, I do think we're gonna <laughs> win. <laughs> I'm gonna completely flip the switch here. I do think we're gonna win three one. Um, note note the three one because I'm not gonna do a clean a clean sheet here, but. Yeah, I think we're going to come up 3-1. I think Kualamani is going to get a goal. Maybe Kamada is going to get a goal too, a uh, goal or two. Um, maybe even Gutsa will get his second one um, in the, of the Bundesliga season. But 3-1 good guys. You know, I put down 3-2 in our predictor. Uh, I'm going to change that. I'm going to agree with you 3-1. I think the defense is playing well enough right now. Like I said last week, it's a roller coaster here. Uh, but we're still trending up on this roller coaster, I think, going into this international break. Uh, I'm going to agree with you, 3-1 to one for the good guys. Hell yeah. So we want to hear everyone else's opinion. Uh, how do you think this match is going to play out? How do you feel about the upcoming Frauen season? How do you feel about the Marseille match? Uh, join our 24-hour Discord chat. <laughs> it got heated in there during yesterday's match, trying to play out those last 20 minutes with the lead. With the lead. Um, it's going to get heated in there Saturday for the Stuttgart match and every day in between as news breaks, as, uh, during transfer season, it gets nuts in there with the rumors. Uh, but join the discord chat. The link to that is on our Twitter bio, our Twitter page at H E F pod on Instagram. Matt does a great job with that page at Hey, I'm track Frankfurt and Facebook, facebook.com slash H E F pod. And our new website with new features coming on about once a week. 
www.hefpod.com. Matt, where can we find you to bug you on all things on track Frankfurt? Oh, you can bug me as much as you want on the Twitter landscape at WAGMA underscore and then on the Instagram landscape at underscore Wagner8. And I just got a, a lovely note towards the end of our recording from Brian who uh, believes alcohol may have influenced my opinion that the Frauen are going to win the Bundesliga. Uh, Brian, the beer's on me. All summer, next summer, after the Frauen win the Bundesliga title, uh, that is a, that is a that is a verbal agreement that is binding in the state of New York. And since I sit in New York, that is a binding agreement, Brian. So if that does happen, I got your back. You know what? I'm a man of my word. I I believe in this team. We're gonna see how it plays out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Peloton, Discord, all the social. All the social sites at C and the D three one three. Matt, it's been fun. We're gonna Always, do it again man. next week. How's Hell that? Yeah. Sound? Hell yeah! Hopefully with three points in the bag too. Remember the Frauen uh, Friday afternoon here in the states on NBCSports.com, and the men Saturday morning nine thirty Eastern time, the traditional fifteen thirty in Germany. And that will be against Stuttgart. So we will talk to you post Stuttgart with all the analysis. Until then, choose. Eintracht Frankfurt Frauen will win the Bundesliga this year. If you wear the crest on your chest, fill the vault stadium on Friday. Hey,